that was this section over here. Y'all are writing down. I didn't hear y'all, so y'all don't get credit. It was this section right here. Don't argue with me. It was that section right there, all right? I'll give y'all another chance, though. Uh, uh, I, I want to say this, that uh, I, love, I love preaching here. I mean, I'm telling you. I used to travel all over the nation and speak at a different church every weekend. And I can tell you, this is my favorite place to speak in the world. Because you lean in, you're, you're encouraging, I feel like you're soaking it in, that, that you want it to impact and change your life. And so I want to thank you for that. I, I just want you to hear me say that, that y'all are a great church to preach to, all right? Y'all make my job really easy. And something that I do, I may have told you this before, but when I'm studying and preparing throughout the whole week, I will always find one person in my mind. It's one, maybe two or three people. But I will find one person in my mind, and I'll prepare that entire message as if I'm preaching it just to them. I'm thinking about where you are and what you're walking through. Uh, and so I just, I just want you to feel it that I want you to receive it that way, all right? So if you feel like it's just for you, it is just for you. Because that's what the Word does. It's alive. It's living. It's not static, okay? And so when you speak the Word, it does the work in your life that it needs to do. So just open up your heart today and receive it. Uh, if I could have, I would have preached this message along with the message last week. Uh, because I feel like last week we left kind of a cliffhanger. Like, oh, okay, oh, God. This week, I'm really, I was really a little nervous about last week. But this week, I'm fired up and excited. Because this is, this is my life message today. Because we're going to be talking about who God has called us to, to be and what God has called us to do. All right? We're going to talk about your identity, what God wants to see happen in your life. All right? We have started a series last week uh, called What in the World? Come on, everybody say it with me. What in the world? We talked about the fact that last week our world is in a state of upheaval. Racism and terrorism and the threat of nuclear war. Eclipses and earthquakes and wildfires and hurricanes and it was it was it was it was amazing to me. We talked about it last week and then we saw it play out this week with earthquakes all over the world and and we saw more threats of nuclear war and it's just this thing. And we talked about the fact that how are we supposed to make sense of all of this? What in the world? How do we figure it out? And one thing we said last week is when you want to know what's going on in the world, turn to the Word. And so I want to read again Matthew 24 and 3. Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and His disciples came to Him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in My name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. That's what the world does. That's what they do. They're in turmoil. They're worried. They're sick. They're stressed out. Not us. We don't panic. We got an inside track. We know what's going on, all right? They're trying to figure it out. I don't feel like y'all received that one. You're like, yeah, okay. These things must take place. Everybody say must. must. They must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Just look at your neighbor and go, Ugh. All right? 
Now look, now, now look back at me, all right? Last week, we learned that all of these things are signs. They're signs. They're signs of three things. They're signs that God's word is true. Jesus said it was going to happen, and it is a happening. It's signs for us to get ready. And it's signs that Jesus is about to come back. Then we learn what our response needs to be to these signs. Can anybody tell me what they were? Number one, look up. Number two, look in. Number three, look around. So when these things start happening, when another earthquake hits and when a flood happens and when a wildfire happens, instead of me running and hiding in a corner, Jesus said, that's when you stand up and you look up because your salvation is about to show up. Your redemption is almost here. Now, if you weren't here last week and you can't really celebrate with that because you're still worried about it, go back and listen to last week's message, all right? Then we need to look in, make sure our hearts are right, and then we need to look around. Is there anybody around us that's not ready that we can help them get ready? Well, today, I want to continue on Matthew 24 into verse 8, and I want to I read this one more verse, and then we're going to drill down into it. Look at this. But this is only the first of birth pains. Everybody say birth pains. Let all the mamas say birth pains. And look at the man beside you and say, you don't know nothing. Now, matter of fact, look at the man. Hey, look at the man beside you and say, you shouldn't even say anything, all right? You ever heard what Carol Burnett said about what it's like to have a baby? She said, take your bottom lip and pull it over your head. And all the men just go, ow. (laughs) Birth pains. Now, this is not just the physical pain, but how many mamas can attest there is an emotional, there's a spiritual connection. There's this this travail, they call it. The old timers would call it travail or intercession, like this, uh, this groaning. Well, I want to dive into those two words, birth pains, To shed some more light on it, I want you to jump to my favorite chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. This is my personal favorite chapter, followed closely by Romans chapter 12. I think these are two chapters that we all need to master as believers. Romans chapter 8, and here's what it says. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Look at me. Look up. This is not the time for fear. This is not the time for stress. And we heard from some of you last week that you're battling with fear, especially when you start talking about all that's going on. Listen, God did not give you a spirit of fear. You've not received a spirit that would make you a slave to fear again. So don't be afraid. Matter of fact, we're going to begin a new series in the month of October called Fear Not. We're going to be talking about fear and how it's not supposed to be a part of our life. You've not received the spirit. Uh, you're, you're, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so you live again in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Because it reminds you on a daily basis that you're a child of God. 
How many woke up one day this week and you did not feel like a child of God? Just raise your hand. You may have felt like it until you looked in the mirror and you're like, no, nope, this would not ever be a child of God right here. But that's where the Spirit of God wants to testify to you. Wait a minute, baby. You're a child of God. I want to remind you of that. And now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Man, I will spend several weeks just unpacking that. And I think we'll do, in the near, do that in the near future. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Okay, uh, where are the birth pains? We're getting there. Chill out. We'll get there, all right? Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And here we go. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Jesus said these things must happen, but this is just the beginning of birth pains. Paul said, we know that creation, all of creation, the whole creation, has been groaning in childbirthing pains until right now. Everybody say birth pains. And now I want you to say why. Why? I want to talk about that. Let's break these scriptures down. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I want you to write this down. Our present cannot compare to our future. If you can keep that in mind, it'll help you get through a whole bunch of days. Your present cannot compare to your future. He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's not even entered into your imagination Everything that God has prepared for those who love Him. Your future is better than your present. No matter how bad it is. No matter how bad it is. How many had some bad times in your life? How many right now could stand up on this stage and tell us the lowest of lows that you have been to? Raise your hand. And yet, that does not even compare to the greatness and the glory that God has prepared for us. So no matter how bad it is, it doesn't compare to what God has for us. I think many times we compare our bad to someone else's bad. And to to bring ourselves back into focus, we'll say, well, at least it's not as bad as that person. or I I don't live there, and that's not what... He says, I don't want you doing that. Don't compare yourself with that. Compare yourself with that. Instead of saying, well, at least it's not that bad, what you say is, man, this may be bad. I mean, we're going to be honest about that, right? Nobody likes trouble and tribulation and pain. But how do I make it through by saying this does not even compare to the glory that is going to be revealed in my future? And the way you do that is you've got to stay eternity-minded. Everything you do has got to be about eternity. What does this mean to eternity? What is going to happen there? That's how you make it through. So no matter how bad it is, it does not compare to what is prepared. But I also want to say, no matter how good it is, it does not compare to what he's prepared. Because I think that's when we get in trouble is when things are good. 
and we're blessed. And everything's all right. And the aches and pains are gone. And the hurt and the sorrow and the depression has faded away. And, and the, the pink slip is now not as pink anymore. You know, it, it's like this whole, it's uh, okay. Those are the times that we need to be reminded. It may be good now, but it does not even compare to what God has for us. You know what I've found? And I think we've always done this, but I think social media has exacerbated it. It's really sped it up a lot. I've found that most people try to make their lives look better or worse than they really are. You think about what you read on social media this week. What are people trying to tell you? Man, my life is so good. I got it going on. Or... None of y'all know how bad it is for me. I know you have children, but you, you don't have my children. Can I hear an amen? amen. I want you to filter your, your posts this week with those things right there. Are you trying to make people feel like your life is better than it really is? Or are you trying to make them feel like your life is worse than it really is? Paul could do both. Paul could stand on this side and say, man, look at all that's happened in my life. I mean, I have seen it all. I went to the heavens. Things were revealed to me that I can't even talk to y'all about. That's what Paul is saying. I had an eyewitness account of Jesus Christ. So he could do that. And on the other hand, he could say, man, I have been beaten. I have been tortured. I have been, I've been beat up. I've lost it all. And what did he say? But all these things are just like a pile of garbage, a pile of dung. The Hebrew for dung, Greek for dung, is a poop pile, okay? That's the, the, uh, the, that's the G-rated version of that. He said, I take everything that's ever happened in my life, the good, bad, ugly, and I put it in one pile compared to the glory of Jesus Christ. Say it with me, my present. And I'm going to do a little caveat, say, and my past does not compare to my future. Verse 19. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Don't you love that eager expectation? Now, Kristen was gone for a couple of days this week. And uh, you would think that she had gone to Africa, the way our house was. And, man, and, and me and the boys, that's one thing, but our dogs were just insane. Like, we have a white French bulldog that can barely breathe anyway. And when he heard that thing outside, he jumps up on his knee, looking out the window. Just, what is that? Eager expectation. I, I can't wait. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. All of creation is waiting on me. So when you see a hurricane, when you hear an earthquake, when you see an eclipse, here's what I want you to do. That's for me. That's for me. That's for you. All of creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This is God's greatest thing. He cannot wait for this. And that is to reveal His children to the world. 
How many of you parents know you just can't wait to show somebody, look how much my baby's grown. Look, look how good they are at sports. They made straight A's. I cannot wait. This is what God, the feeling that he has, he, he sent his son to live and die and resurrect for us so that we could become children of God. It, it is his greatest, he cannot wait to open up those curtains and reveal us to the world. That's what he can't wait to do. And creation longs for this. Creation. Uh. So what's, what's stopping us from being revealed to the world? You ever, how many ever ask yourself that question? What is stopping the church from being the church? You ever ask yourself that question? Because I do. I ask myself all the time. Because I, I feel like I know what God has called us to do as the body of Christ. And it's good what we're doing. It's great. We're seeing some amazing things happen. But I believe there's more for us. So what's stopping that from happening? Number one, we've got to know who we are in Him. Because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you can do. You've got to know who you are in Him. And who are we? We just read it. You're children of God. You're not just saved servants. He didn't save you to put you in servants' quarters. He saved you to make you one of His children. You are a child of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. Now, this is going to help some of you come Wednesday, okay? You're going to need this right here. He did not save you to make you his slave. He saved you to make you his child. Understand that you're a son and a daughter. Next, it says this. I'm not just a son and a daughter. I'm an heir of God. Not just children, heirs. He didn't write us out of his will. Just because you're a child doesn't make you an heir. Because you've got to be a good boy before mom and daddy will make you a part of the will, right? You have to abide, not him. He said, if you're my child, I'm going to make you my heir. But I'm not just an heir of God. What is he going to say? I'm a co-heir or a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What? Wait, are you understanding this? Like, that doesn't mean we split it down the middle. That's a co-heir at the same time. That means whatever Jesus has, I have access to. Peace, love, joy. Find me one miracle in the Bible that Jesus Christ did that's outside of the gifts of the Spirit. Everything Jesus did, we have access to. The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, all of it. Why? Because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Here's where God wants to get us from, from being this little slave over here. I'm just, just barely making it by. I'm just, I'm just so honored. He saved me, and I'm just going to trip and fall and my way to heaven. Crawl in. How many would say that is the relationship of a lot of believers that you know? And if it's you, just keep your hand raised. It's okay, because a lot of us are raised that way. If you mess up, you're going to get in trouble, because you got a slave mentality. He said, I didn't didn't save you to keep you as a slave. I bled and died. It was massacred like like a common animal. Not so you would live like an animal, but so you could live like a child of God. And not just a child of God, but an heir of God. And not just an heir of God, but a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's a good word right there. It's not a good word. That's a great word. That's not a great word. That's a God word right there. Look at your name and say, you joint heir, you. I see you. Tell them, see, I see, some of y'all didn't even turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. I'm looking at y'all. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, I see you. Man, I don't know if we're going to finish this today. So what is keeping, what is keeping us from being revealed to the world? Y'all with me? You okay? What's keeping us from being revealed to the world? Number one, we don't know who we are. Number two, we need to grow up. God is not going to roll back the curtain and let the world see us as adolescent spoiled brats. So if you're wondering why God hasn't opened those doors for you, there's probably a reason. You're probably not ready for it. Galatians 4 and 1. Look at this. This is going to rock your socks. Now I say that an heir, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. That the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Write this down. Immaturity inhibits inheritance. Now this is a message that I've been preaching for 20 years. Would you say, Kristen? Those exact three words. Immaturity inhibits inheritance. Let me explain. You can be a son and be an heir, but not have access to your inheritance until you grow up. Davis is about to be 16. Oh, dear Jesus. (laughs) He's been our son since the day he was born. But when he was five, I'm not going to give him the keys to our suburban. Just take it out there, son. Just willy-nilly. Just go drive around. No, why? Why? He's not ready for it. And yet, for some reason, we feel like, I'm here. Give me all my stuff. It's yours. He wants to give it to you. But he's not going to give it to you if it will destroy you. He wants to make sure that you're ready for it. So come on, church. Let's grow up. It's incredible to me, the people that are children of God that don't read His Word, don't pray, don't witness, don't fast, don't give. Now it gets quiet, right? Can we get back to the inheritance stuff? I am. This is it. This is how you get the inheritance. Come on. I want to be a part of a church that preaches truth and grace, both of them, full at the same time. But you don't really get the fullness of grace until you understand truth. Let's grow up. Bickering and complaining and fussing and my life is so bad. All this mess. Oh, shut up. I know you got kids here and you don't say that in your house. But listen, just stop it. We've got so much that we get to do as a body of Christ. Let's go do it. You don't know what I've been. There you go again. It's about you. You ever notice when a baby shows up at a table, who gets the attention? Did the baby need food? Can we chop up the French fries for the baby? Everything's about the baby. Let me ask you, do you need all the attention? Does it have to come back to you? Well, I'm not a narcissist. No, you're a baby. There's a difference in those two. And I'm not saying you, me. I can be the biggest baby of all. Why? 
Gwen, Gwen, no, I said I can be, and you said yes. Hey, listen, to all of our guests, that's the nicest thing she can say, okay? Right there. Just know that. Yes. Gwen, next time those other words try to creep out, just go, yes! That's what you're going to say. All right. I'm not going to finish this today. Would it be okay if we continue this next week? We were supposed to start a new series next week. Nah, this is pretty good. I'm enjoying this. Immaturity inhibits your inheritance. So let's grow up. Come on, let's grow up. Let's do it. Eat some meat. Get off the milk. Come on, let's start eating some vegetables. Let's get, come on, let's get strong. How do I do that? First of all, you need to get in the Word. You need to get in the Word. I, I don't know how to do that. It's so easy. There's an app for it. It will read it to you, Okay. Literally, riding down the road, I will turn it on, and just this beautiful voice just reads it to me, and whatever translation I want it, just get in the Word. Start with a verse. Start with two verses. Start with a chapter. You know, I, I, I'm your pastor, and i got to tell you, there are seasons in my life that about all I can handle is a chapter. I'm just telling you, I was like, I'm, if I make it through a chapter a day, I'm doing good. I know you all think that I read the whole thing weekly, but I don't, Okay. <laughs> Listen, just start where you are. Just get a chapter. Get, it, get in God's Word. The next way you grow up is get in community. If you're doing life by yourself, you're not growing at the rate that God wants you to grow. Get in good Christian community where people will look you in the eye and say, man, you're doing really good. But also next week they may look at you and say, you need to stop that mess. Come on, let's grow up. Anything else on that? Can I move on from that? It's good. Okay. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Write this down. Frustration is part of the plan. I remember, uh, some of you may have heard this story. I remember Chris and I were in Austin, Texas, and we felt like God had already called us to come to Nashville, but had had us stay in that role we were in for, and it ended up being for a two-year period. And how many of you know when you feel like you're supposed to be somewhere, but you're living here? That's hard, right? And we had, you know, young children, and it was just, it was, it was frustrating. I mean, very frustrating. And I remember it was about two o'clock in the morning, one morning, and I was sitting in the green recliner that we had at that point, and uh, that was that was one that your mom and dad gave us, I believe, and it was a green recliner, and I was I was so angry, I was so angry, I was angry with myself because I felt like I had inhibited some growth. I, I was angry with God. I was I was just angry. I was uh, I was mad, and all of a sudden the Pentecostal came in me, you know, and I just yelled out just as loud as I can, I rebuke this frustration. And I slammed my fist down. And I'm not really a strong person, but I was strong then. I was angry. I slammed my fist so hard that it broke the arm off of that recliner. I rebuked this much. And it just, the arm just dangling right there. 
And in the silence of that moment, just <sighs> I heard the Holy Spirit say, how dare you rebuke something that I placed on you? I went, I rebuke you devil too. You're <laughs> talking to me like that. And very clearly, and I, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, very clearly I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to turn, I want you to read Romans chapter 8 and verse 20. I felt that come into my spirit. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say in the NIV version. <laughs> now listen, there's some of you that weren't raised with this kind of stuff. This may freak you out. This stuff happens, okay? Yeah. Listen, listen what I did. I, I thought to myself, see, I was raised Pentecostal. Now NIV, that, we call that the nearly inspired version. Like it wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't King James, it ain't got nothing to do with nobody. We did not even have an NIV version in our house. I was married to a Baptist. That's how much I converted her, okay? We got rid of NIV. I'm joking. Kind of, not really though. Either way, we didn't have one. I had to wait until our Baptist neighbors woke up. And I went over and knocked on the door. And I said, Meemaw, I need to borrow your NIV Bible because I know you got one in there. I brought it out, and that's when I read this again. Bring that up, Romans 8 and 20. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. There are times that God puts you into a season of frustration. Why? Because he wants something to be birthed out of that season. So instead of cursing it, or in the Tennessee, cussing it. Instead of trying to cuss it or rush it, trying to get through this, what you do in a season of frustration is you need to say, I know what God's called me to be. I know who God says I am. And my identity, my, this is not my identity right here. And if I can understand what my identity really is, then my destiny is going to happen. Breakthrough happens when you realize that you're a child of God and if God put you in that situation, there must be a purpose for it. Look at me. Now, I'm not talking about when you put yourself in a situation. We put ourselves in messy situations, right? Here's what I have found, though. Even in those situations, the grace of God is stronger than your own messiness. But however, there are seasons that God puts you into this time that you're just frustrated. You just got, if that's you right now, just nod your head. It's like, oh man, I'm like a caged animal. I'm so frustrated with this. I'm so, and what happens many times is in that season of frustration, you can abort what God's really wanting to do for you because you jump out of it too fast. Like Abraham going and having sex with a servant because God promised him a child instead of waiting for the right time. Because here's what I found. Frustration works like a wound. It's a wound. And when you're ready, you're going to come out, baby. You ever notice that the mama doesn't tell the baby when to be born? Right? How many mamas would love that? Just an app. All right, we're going to be born right here. <laughs> who tells, who says when it's going to be born? Who? Say it. The baby. How does the baby know? It's grown. It's time. 
And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. When time is full. And look, it's uncomfortable in that frustration period. You're wallowing around. You've been stretched. It hurts. It's painful. But don't give in to frustration. Understand that your identity is bigger than where you are. And your destiny is bigger than where you are. And I want to keep going, but I feel like stopping right here. Another cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, next week we're going to continue this. Next week we're going to talk about the level of liberty that God wants us living in. Next week we're going to talk about why does the earth travail? Why? And that's going to be when we're going to really tie this all together. What's Why? Why would all this be going on? We'll talk about that next week. What about you right now? Right where you are. I want to talk to those that are frustrated. Raise your hand. I mean, close your eyes first. <laughs> Raise your eyes and close your hands, please. <laughs> Let me see the hands of those of you that need to be reminded of this today. That God sees you. He knows you right where you are. All right, put your hand down. I want to see the hands of those of you, and it's probably going to be a few of you, but the hands of those of you that when I talked about that living like a slave and living like a son, that resonated with you. And you realize that that's where you've been. You've been living in that model, that mindset. He's not called you to be a slave. He's not even called you to be a servant. He's called you to be a son who acts like a servant. I want to see the hands of those of you that are frustrated right now. Come on, let's be honest. Man, hands going up everywhere. Man. Man. Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. I don't know the next one. But you have never. Waiting for change to come. Waiting for change to come. Knowing the battles won. For you've never. For you have never. You've never failed me. Never fail me. Lord, I pray for peace in the process right now. I pray for those that are frustrated. I pray for your peace, your love. God, that it wouldn't result into bitterness or anger, stress or strife. But Lord, you got this. Come on, you got this. Someone right now needs to just say, Lord, I don't like this season I'm in, but I'm putting my faith in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm putting my faith in you, Lord. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting your word that says you will not put more on me than I can handle.
And there's a beautiful birthing that's coming. Come on, let the peace of God sweep over this room this morning. If you need the peace of God, just receive it. Just open your hands up. Open your heart up. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Come on, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.